Welcome to Laughter, Dirt and Education, a podcast recognising and celebrating our rural and remote educators. From teachers, principals, teacher aides and gubbies, they share their real and inspiring stories of educating our bush kids. Come along each week for the often crazy and inspiring stories of education and see why these amazing educators do what they do. Welcome back guys. I'm really excited to bring you this episode today. I got to sit down and have a chat to my friend Kate Keenan. We really had a great chat about some of the struggles I guess that we face in teaching and I felt like it was a very raw and vulnerable chat where we both I guess spoke about those tough times that a lot of people don't talk about often. I do need to apologize in advance. I had some internet issues, but hopefully it will flow well enough for you to understand now that I have had a chance to edit. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. This is Kate's story. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for jumping on today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here and have a chat and catch up. Yes, so I worked with Kate a few years ago, so it's nice to talk to someone I know face-to-face already. So Kate, for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so my name is uh, Kate Keenan, and I grew up in parts of Western Queensland and Central Queensland and um, did a bit of time in Brisbane for school um, and yeah, I'm a teacher this year, um, doing a different role than the classroom teaching, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. So you grew up out west and did you, when you decided to be a teacher, was it something you thought you would head back out there? Because obviously, as you said, like you headed to Brisbane and did schooling there and obviously uni. When did you think, okay, I want to be a teacher and yeah, why did you choose to go country again? Uh, I think it was really like right at the beginning of school. I kind of always said I was going to be a teacher. I really liked my year one and year two teacher. They, I just really liked the way they taught and the way they let me learn, I guess. Uh, my mum actually found a, a timeline the other day that I did when I was in grade two and it's got like, you know, in, I started school, I got to year six, something, you know, I went overseas for holidays. And then it's in, in 2016, it says, I will become a teacher or a hairdresser. Wow. And I think then when I kind of got, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy the things you find from when you were at school. But I think it was also my year 10 geography teacher, Mr. O, he really kind of sealed the deal for me, um, wanting to become a teacher. And I guess, yeah, it was kind of always something I spoke I always joke that I was going to be a primary school teacher and live in Charleville and Greenhold and you. I don't know why that kind of car, but and I just always worked like always worked with kids, babysat, family, friends. I just loved seeing them all grow up and you know seeing them learn different learn things. Um, so I guess it was when I was at uni that I kind of realised I was sick of the city. And I needed to go um, and get a little bit more rural experience with my teaching because that's where ideally I wanted to be when I finished uni. So I asked for one of my placements to be 
um, in a rural or remote school and they placed me 20 minutes from Brisbane. So I was like, right, (laughs) it's time I start finding some people that I know in schools um, in rural or remote areas to try and get um, some my next like prac organised with them so to see if I could get that experience. So I think that's when I got a placement at the Catholic school in Charleville mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed that, getting to know like obviously those multi-year classes, seeing how the Catholic school operated because I hadn't done any pracs with them previously. I'd been in the state system and I did a bit of work experience with a few extra days at the end in um, the School of Distant Ed mm-hmm. out there at the time as well. So that kind of gave me a bit of an eye-opener on what that was like. And then from there I just kept going back to Charleville for prax between the state school and the St Mary's, the Catholic school, and it got to my internship and I got offered, I actually got the Beyond the Range grant actually, so that meant I needed to go back to the state school and from there I got offered um, a position along with lots of other little offers from, you know, different schools around the community that I'd been in contact with or had spoken to someone from where I'd done my pracs. So that was really exciting and obviously always wanting to be a teacher in Charleville, I decided that I would pack up my things and move back to Charleville. And I guess that's where it all kind of started. Yeah. So before you go on, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say, like, I think that's great. You chose to do your pracs in both state and private, like Catholic, because I know myself, like I did it all state and kind of now as a teacher, I regret that because it's, I've always curious what the Catholic system looks like. And I think once you're a teacher, it's a lot of a bigger deal to be able to jump over into that ship out of state. So I think that's really good that you took that opportunity as a prac student to be able to see what it was like and what you liked as well. Yeah, I think um, I think all prac or like all uni students should have to do a mixture of pracs and I think they should have to do a mixture of like rural and, you know, close yeah. to home pracs because I think they just need to, they hear all the stories I guess but you need to go out and experience it for yourself like I know some people obviously can't just pack up and move away from the city or their families and stuff but I think um the experience and a prac is probably the best time to have that experience because you can learn so much from those opportunities definitely and what kind of grades did you cover in your prac like I know with your internship because that's obviously when I met you while I was doing a prac out there not that we had much to do with each other but you were in the higher levels then was that something that you kind of stuck with through prac or did you have a bit of a variety between grades um when I went to uni I only ever wanted to be lower primary like early childhood but I did decide to do the primary course just in case I got sick of the lower one. So I, in my head, I was going to be a, pri- a prep or a year one teacher. And I don't think I did any prac placements <laughs> with those grades. Most of them, I got a bit of a mixture, but it was kind of middle and upper that I did my prac placements. Yeah. And I think it was pretty lucky. Like the lady I did my internship with, she was leaving. So I did five, six for my internship and went straight into a five, six position so it was kind of good 
I'd had some of the students, I'd seen how the five, six class worked. I'd planned some of the units for the year, having that long internship. So it was, I think it was a really good transition from uni into real life teaching. (laughs) And how did you find moving out? Like obviously you grew up with your family and even though you went and did pracs, which I think is still people don't um, realise like how difficult that can be when you are doing rural pracs. Like you are away from that support system and you're not there for, for that long. So it is kind of hard to become settled in a small community. But how did you find that then moving yeah, there permanently? I think um, I was probably lucky in the way that I already knew people in the town. I had then made the connections on my internship because I had worked with those the same staff or similar mm. staff already. So it kind of was, I guess, easy for me, but I can understand how it would be really difficult, like, you know, for some people living in the city, growing up in the city with their family and moving away. It is such a... Um, daunting kind of experience yeah. for some yeah and how did you find that first year obviously you knew some of those kids you knew the school but did you were there any struggles like what did you find the hardest part of your first year of teaching um everything yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah definitely probably one of my toughest years I think my first and my third year of teaching were probably some of my really um, challenging moments. Obviously just, you know, getting used to the way that the students do things differently in their socioeconomic environment, how the community reacts and acts. Yeah, just learning all the little things to build those relationships with those kids because out um, in the rural or any school really, but especially out in those rural and remote schools, um, relationships are key. Yeah, I agree. And I think with rural schools and remote schools in particular, like it's not just those relationships you form within your classroom. Like as we spoke about before we recorded before, you will pop down to the local IGA or you might go for a drink at the pub on a Friday night and there'll be parents there. And I guess having that relationship building with parents and community members as well as just as important as with your students oh yes there was many of times a a parent would uh, stand next to me at the bar and ask me how their student was going at school (laughs) or on a Monday morning a student would come to me and say you drink beer just like my dad (laughs) (laughs) yes you can't get away with much hey no, you really got to watch what you do in those towns. <laughs> yes. So after a few years in mainstream, you decided to take the jump to Disenset. Were you just after a different adventure, like something new? Yeah, I had kind of got to the point where I didn't know what I wanted to do anymore with my teaching. Mm. I, I think I'd kind of burnt out being the school I was at but I didn't want to leave town that was my biggest you know like I loved Charleville I um, had lots of friends I'd become a really you know big part of the community or the community had become a big part of my life and I was a bit stuck like I um denied about resigning and applying for the Catholic school I um denied about going to some schools um you know 
nearby, but that's a big travel every day. Like it would have been, there was one job I looked at and it was over three schools in the nearby districts, which would have meant I would have been travelling an hour and a half into the sun and an hour and a half home into the sun every Mm. day. So it was like, yeah, big decisions. And then, yeah, out of the blue, the principal at um, the School of Air rang me and offered me a year one position, which was very nerve wracking because I'd only done year five and six at the primary school. So I was kind of like, oh, my goodness, little kids and little kids (laughs) on computers and over the phone what do I do? But I was ready for the next challenge. And I was like, no, I'm going to do this. And it was some of the best years in my life. I didn't want to leave when I did, but again, I needed a new challenge. Yeah. I was getting bored. So that was, yeah. And that I think of the air is amazing. I think it's important. Like you said, you felt burnt out. And obviously I think so many teachers can, relate to that especially earlier year teachers because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves we're coming into such a full jam-packed curriculum and especially like year six I think year six teachers I know I personally couldn't do it because not only are you teaching like normal but you have all those extracurricular things on top of that in year six like high school visits and um, graduation and stuff that you especially being in a small school it's really up to you to coordinate that yeah yeah definitely I was I was coordinating year five and year six camps so two camps a year like graduation high school visits like you said yeah there was a lot of extra pressure I guess on me to you know help these kids have the best last kind of years of their primary schooling Mm, yeah and you obviously made the jump over to distance head and you stay there for two years if I'm correct Yep. So how did you find that? What was, obviously, you said it was fantastic. You loved it. Did you find, obviously, going from five to six to year one, how did you face that, I guess? You said, like, even kids on computers, it's a very overwhelming trying to teach them, and I'm sure it's probably even hard as a distance ed teacher because you're not physically there teaching them how to press a button or whatnot. Yeah, it was, I think before I kind of knew about distant ed, I was really kind of like, whoa, what have I got myself signed up for? But once I kind of got there and I learned how to use the systems and the programs, it um, felt much better. And everyone there is just so supportive. And the, like, the families, you know, are so good. And at the end of the day, even though I had year one, they were still teaching me how to do things with the systems like it's their everyday life when it comes Mm. to schooling so I think they pick it up fairly quickly yeah and I guess you were pretty lucky because you started there in 2019 so I guess you got to enjoy one year before all the COVID stuff hit how did you find that did you was it exciting nerve-wracking when you actually finally got to meet the kids and what kind of things did you do in distance ed that were very different to mainstream teaching um, yeah, it was like very different not being able to see them all the time um, or see them all day. Having like so with year ones, I had year one on air for one hour a day for English. And then once a fortnight, I would see each student for half an hour. And then 
three sessions a week for half an hour. We had small groups for reading. So it was really hard to, you know, try and fit what I wanted or what I needed to get done into an hour lesson, especially when, you know, you haven't, the only time you really get to speak to them is that kind of hour, an hour and a half on air. So you want to build the relationship with them. You want to get to know what they're doing, how their day's been. So by the time you've kind of done that, you've got 40 minutes left to um, (laughs) fit everything in and they always have something to tell you or there's always an interruption. I remember one day one of the kids had to stop because a chicken was flying through their schoolroom or there was a fox in the paddock so they had to run out and help dad with that. Like it's, um, yeah, it's very different and, yeah, very different. You know, it's probably very memorable. Like I'm sure even though you weren't in that schoolroom with those kids physically, I can imagine some of the stories that you would have heard on it online. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And even the weeks where they do come to visit or the days they come to visit for like our sports master and our mini schools, like they, you know, you you counted down to those days because or those weeks because that was when you did get to spend face-to-face time with them. Like they were full-on weeks. They were busy weeks because you had to fit your reading assessment and all other kind of things that you needed to do face-to-face rather than over the phone into such short time yet still have fun and do different activities with them. And home visits, I got to do a couple of them, which were really exciting and really fun to go out and see their schoolroom and see what their day looks like. Uh, One student, I did a reading test in the middle of the paddock with goats around us because that was the only way he would read to me. (laughs) Wow very different to your mainstream schooling but very memorable yes I guess it's that flexibility no matter where you are hey yes definitely (laughs) so you decided then um after a few years out there to move closer to your family and headed east but you still have definitely remained in that rural setting what was I guess your main driver for that you obviously still have that country in your blood and I think that's hard to get out of. What When you decided to move, were you looking particularly for a small rural school? When we put in for my transfer, it was definitely like the red flag on the application was it has to be in a small rural area. I did not want to go near the city still. Even places like Roma and Dolby were too big for me still. I needed that small town, yeah. <laughs> small school. But, yeah, just closer to Brisbane and family and, you know, medical and all sorts of things that you kind of miss out in those small towns. Yeah, completely agree. So can you tell me a little bit about what your role is this year? Because you're taking a huge leap and have a bit of a mixed role this year, am I correct? Yeah, so it's changed a few times already, but I am... STLN, so I'm just supporting our teachers and students with the literacy and numeracy side of things. And a part of that, I am teaching high school as well. <laughs> so I've gone from one extreme to the other. So I've yes. got to get my head around year eight humanities as well. And some we've taken on some new programs in the school for our literacy 
which I've had to busily get my head around over the holidays so I can show the teachers in our primary school, you know, what we expect from this from them to support our students. So it's been a big, big few weeks trying to get ready for school, but I am really looking forward to the change. Yes, I bet. So can you tell us a little bit about your school? Like, is it prep? Uh, sorry, primary, high school, how many kids roughly? Uh, yeah, so it's prep to 10. This year is probably the lowest numbers the school's had for a while. I believe we're in our 200s. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, they change every day. So I'm not completely sure. But, yeah, P to 10, six, seven primary classes and... Um, I think there's six high school classes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, it's a decent size still, which is nice, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And could you, before we wrap up, if someone was thinking about going rural or even maybe, like, on their pracs considering it because they're in Brisbane and they want to change, what would your advice be to them? Do it. <laughs> yeah do it if you can do it if you can go remote if you can go rural do it like it's you just need to have that experience even if after like if you go for prac and you decide yep I've done it don't want to go back then that's fine you've learned that you know you're that's not something for you but I think everyone needs to have that experience like the small communities are just amazing to get be a part of like you want to get involved you want to see what the town has to offer you know get involved in their sport even if you're there for a few days a few few weeks sorry you know go down to get involved with the local shops yeah see what see what's around town what the town offers but yeah get involved um I used to go to the kids footy every Saturday Uh, I even traveled some Saturdays I'd go to Augathella or Quilpy or Kanamala to go and watch them because that made their day like it showed them that I was invested not only in their learning but them like I wanted to see them succeed whether it be in the classroom or on the footy field or the netball court you know like I was there I was there I was committed to them and I wasn't just there to do my time I was there to enjoy my time and you know really make the most of it. And I think, yeah, you're making memories for yourself as well at the end of the day. Like sometimes it can be the most spontaneous things you do that you'll be able to look back in years to come and just be so grateful you did it. Yeah, definitely. And I still like, I know it's only been, you know, six years that I've been teaching, but I'm still forever telling stories of my first year or my second year. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for jumping on today, Kate. Thank you for listening to the Laughter, Dirt and Education podcast. I can't wait to bring you a new story from rural and remote educators each week. Make sure you are subscribed to your favourite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram to keep up to date. Until next week, thank you.